0: Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go. A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm here with my friend and co host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Texans unfiltered is brought to you by run game clothing. Go to RunGameClothing.com. use promo code unfiltered for 15% off of your uh, entire purchase. Uh, make sure you guys are paying attention to run game clothing after a world series. win. Um, once that happens, what is that tomorrow night, John?
1: Yeah, hopefully fingers crossed.
0: Okay. So either tomorrow night or Wednesday. So either way, uh, make sure you guys pay attention to run game, follow them on Twitter and Instagram at run game clothing. Um, We're still looking for somebody to run the Instagram account because I don't want to do it. So if somebody else wants to, fantastic. Outside of that, let's hop, hop right into it. Uh, John, another week of starting slow.
1: Yeah, (laughs) except it wasn't just the first, you know, quarter this time. It was almost the entire first half, it felt like. Like we just couldn't get it get it going, and we really needed to. I mean, granted, the the defense of the Raiders is not bad. They have a very, very stout defensive line. But this was a team that we really should have been able to move the ball a little bit easier than we did. And it just took a little bit too long before we we started to do it. But, of course, Deshaun doing Deshaun things and did some amazing things. It just kind of, you know, worked out. Yeah,
0: it's kind of crazy. Like... Uh, did you end up going to the blind pig no I got lazy you just stayed home yeah I got lazy uh, uh, okay uh yeah it's it's weird because you know this this offense tends to just start off slow and then when they need to do something is when they do something instead of doing those things at the beginning to where they're not ever in a position where they need to do something
1: well and it was what was frustrating about them wasn't just that they weren't moving the ball. That's not entirely true. They were moving the ball, but it was just penalty after penalty after penalty. And Chris Clark got a nice reminder why he was a street free agent. It was just, oh God, it was so ugly. And then they adapted, and it's something that we've complained about with Bill O'Brien in the past, but I think this season he's actually starting to get it is they have been quicker to do adjustments and they made some adjustments and went to more 12 personnel uh they were there was a formation that was i mean it was more or less a modified wishbone is what it looked like to me that you're keeping all both tight ends almost in as hbacks as either max protect to the maximum to trading it out to where they could actually run out and do routes and that formation really seemed to kind of spark them and they just started to move the ball. And, you know, Deshaun, again, you just, we're going to talk, I'm sure a whole bunch about him, but that's really what it all came down to somebody other than Deshaun. it's not working. Well, I don't know. I mean, Darren fells, even though, yes, Deshaun
0: had to throw the ball, like that last touchdown, you know, I don't know if the average tight end is going to make that catch. Like that guy was right in his face, but because Darren is so big, He was able to just kind of go up there and get it. And it wasn't, I I mean, I don't know. I I think Darren Fells had a really good day too. I don't think he's getting much of the love that he deserves from whether it's the touchdown or to seal the game on that conversion for a first down to get into victory formation.
1: Yeah. That relationship between Deshaun Watson and Darren Fells has become something. It's like I know Darren Fells joked about when he came in. He's the uh, left left tackle, but he's come out here and he's been a player. I mean, we thought that it would be Aikens getting all the, all the receptions, and Fells just being more in line, more of a blocking tight end. But I mean, Fells just comes up with big play after big play after big play every single week, and dude's not not a slouch like he's not just he's not an offensive lineman that can happen to catch the ball he can he's a legitimate athlete
0: yeah no he is and I mean he's a great great blocker and it obviously helps but um i mean he's just been great in the passing game and it, it's funny because you know at the beginning of training camp all we heard was how bad he was at catching the ball and how he had drops and he just that was not a part of his game and that he was brought in just to block and then you look and see what he's done you know, through eight weeks. And he's been able to do so many things once he catches the ball. And um, I mean, he's truly a red zone. I mean, he he's a red zone threat. And it's something we talked about before the season started was that we expected that to be the case. But um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's playing well. Um, So Deshaun, yeah, Deshaun was great. Obviously the play, you know, where he gets kicked in the face, and And all that is is huge uh but the you know the conversions on third down uh, with his legs um you know hes he really started getting going in the second half John
1: yeah he did and he just opens things up when he's going and he's seeing the field he opens up the field for everybody else we were able to start running the ball we were able to start moving the ball and it was just one of those again. This may turn into a Watson cask. It wasn't his best game. It wasn't his most eye popping game from a statistical standpoint. But if you sat there and you actually watched the game, especially the second half, like that was one of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen from one of our quarterbacks. Our offensive line, especially because of Chris Clark, just regressed. And then Tunsil got hurt, and then it was like, oh my god, it, it got <laughs> it was scary there for a minute. And Deshaun started playing better. Like he had. I mean, he just had no protection, no push on the running game. And he, he started opening it up. He opened up the running lanes. He he literally took over. And again, two weeks ago, he had better stats. Three weeks ago, he had way better stats. But this game, I would say he played the better quarterback position.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if Deshaun's better when there's this function on the offense. Like, he, when things aren't going right, that's when you're
1: going to see Deshaun Watson be Deshaun Watson. He seems to thrive in chaos more so than this isn't. Not that he thrives in unscripted plays cause he does, but when there's just chaos going on and he shouldn't be doing what he's doing, that's actually when he plays better.
0: Yeah. And the, you know, with Chris Clark being at right tackle, that's going to have to change this week. Um, I know Roger Johnson wasn't much better uh, the week prior, but he's better than Chris Clark. Like he was, Chris Clark was awful yesterday. I mean, he really was.
1: We, we're better Clark- off
0: with Kendall Lamb being our starting right
1: tackle. Yeah, Chris Clark was just undersized. He would just get straight run over. There was no push from him at all. With Roderick, I mean, Roderick had some down plays and he he messed up some, but he was at least getting pushed on the ball and he was able to, to push people around. And that just doesn't happen with Chris Clark. Chris Clark is literally a speed bump.
0: Yeah, he was just awful. Um, But, you know, okay, so let's get into just the game in general. So, obviously, a slow start um, from the offense in general. Uh, But, you know, the run game on paper was a lot better than what it was on film. Like, there were times where Carlos was going, but in the first half, we couldn't get anything going on the ground.
1: No, and that, again, ties back to Deshaun. Like, this is going to be the theme in this podcast. If y'all aren't tired about it, you you might get tired about. it. But Deshaun opened up the running lanes because the offensive line did not. And Carlos Hyde, I love that man. I know he's only on a one-year deal, but I hope we keep him. I hope that there's no temptation to bring back Alfred Blue or anything like that. Let's just keep Hyde. Like, I, Dude, he's been a player for us, and he just plays... With such emotion, he hasn't he hasn't been like a world beater. He's an okay fantasy running back, but for what we need and what we need out of the running back position, he's been phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and what's crazy is that Duke Johnson literally had three carries the entire game. He had three carries. Now in the passing game, uh, he had four targets or four catches for thirty three yards and obviously a touchdown. By the way, that touchdown was a grown man touchdown.
1: Yeah. No, Duke Johnson's a great player, too.
0: No, no. But what I'm saying specifically, when he went in there and held it with one hand above his head and got hit straight in the ribs and fell on his ass, but held onto the ball and still scored a touchdown. Like, that's,
1: that's crazy. Dude is a lot tougher than a scat back or receiving back or whatever you want to call him. He, him, and, him and Carlos Hyde really do balance each other out. They are both very physical runners. Duke Johnson operates better with space. When there is no space, he's not going to run through people, but he can make a miss. And that touchdown, I mean, he didn't really run through him, but he kind of dragged the guy. And that, again, was just a great play. Um, I've gotten no complaints about our running back. I don't think that our, our issues with the running game – yesterday especially in the first half was not on either one of the runner on either one of the runners it was entirely on the offensive line and to get and props to the Texans for kind of realizing that and using Deshaun open up the running lanes and once Deshaun became more of a threat to run and Oakland had to start respecting that that's when there was room there for Carlos Hyde to get to work and for Duke Johnson I mean three carries but he was still very active in the receiving game. Granted, I, I think he only ended up with, like, three receptions. It wasn't even a, a ton, but he got the touchdown.
0: No, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's funny how when Deshaun starts to scramble outside the pocket, that's when things start to change with the offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's exactly when the running lanes started to open. Uh, this offensive line is missing Titus Howard, at, you know, quite a bit in all aspects of the offensive line, from run game to pass protection, uh we need him back. And luckily after this week we have a bye. I don't expect him back after the bye because it is an MCL, but I know that's what people think. I, I honestly would expect him back probably the end of November.
1: I and mean, that's
0: just speculation, but
1: um Yeah, I mean I have no idea. My fear with it is Titus Howard part of how he was able to overcome a lot of his rookie mistakes because there was a lot of there was a lot of, he made a lot of uh, mental errors, but he is so strong and so fast for a tackle that he was able, he was just able to cover for them. Him coming back early or him coming back on a bum knee. I mean, he's still going to be strong, but he's not going to look as good as he did prior to the knee until that knee gets, gets a little bit better. Um,
0: Well, I mean, without Titus, the offensive line just isn't what, we expected to be especially after seeing what we did against atlanta and kansas city so it, it's funny for everybody that complains yeah, and we need him for, healthy. yeah for everybody that complained about um you know us taking him over dillard i mean this is really working out to where you know he's looking like the player that you would take in a first round like we hit um yeah he's looking like the better player than yeah dillard's dillard. struggling
1: right now granted Yeah. And granted, I think it's because they have Dillard on the left side. I haven't watched enough, but just Howard put him on the right side and he is actually doing better than Dillard. And we all said it, including myself, that maybe we wanted Dillard because he was more polished. He was more ready to go. But it's amazing what uh, size and strength and speed, they can kind of negate polish. And even my original complaint, like I was happy with Howard. I just thought we could have traded back and gotten an extra second round pick. Eh. I mean, like you said, if he turns out to a player, who cares? And he looks like he is a player and you can see the difference that it makes that he's now been hurt to our offense.
0: Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, back to back hundred yard games. Uh, DeAndre was amazing uh, on Sunday. Um, he really was, you know, outside of Darren Fells, our only our only true I guess you could say weapon uh, you know, Kenny was kind of non-existent Kiki was held out because I think Bill O'Brien thought the trade market would be higher for Kiki. And it's actually not because he can't stay healthy. Um, and Deandre Carter had one, that, that was a big, big play. The one catch for 46 yards. But um, outside of that, I mean, Deandre was the offense yesterday. He was the passing game.
1: Yeah. And it's hilarious. People are trying to trade for Hopkins.
0: Yeah, that's pretty. Can't fun. blame them.
1: I mean, it's it's one of those. It's like shoot your shot. I mean, shoot your shot. You're probably gonna you're gonna get turned down, but just shoot your shot.
0: Uh, so okay, so what would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for?
1: Um, what all did we trade up for Tunsil and then some? Yeah. So if it took two first rounds and a second rounder to get Tunsil, it would take I would say three first rounders and two second rounders to get Hop.
0: Okay.
1: And I'm not we- even kidding. Best receiver in the game. Right now he's not even the highest paid receiver in the game. And he's on, on a contract. So he's a he would hmm. I would yeah. I'm and I'm and you've gotta literally blow blow us away to even consider doing it. And he's a drama free receiver. That alone's worth worth a first round pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for DeAndre, the only trade I would take would be it would have to be top five picks for the next two years for me to even listen. So it would have to be the Dolphins, the Redskins, and that's it. Those are the only two teams that I would say that I feel comfortable will be picking in the top five the next two years. So I would need a first from – I would need two firsts at least from the Redskins and you'll have to give me Trent Williams.
1: Uh, maybe,
0: <laughs> I mean, doubtful. Two top two two top five picks back to back years.
1: Yeah, I'd still no. Mm, I don't know. I think I would.
0: I think I would. I mean, because think about it. Like then you can draft. I mean, you could literally draft the best wide receiver in either draft and have them for five years on a rookie deal.
1: Yeah, but then you also have the risk that they are a bust. Yeah, you do.
0: But typically and top five
1: picks aren't busts. Typically, but they do happen. They do happen. At, especially at something like receiver.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, granted Corey Davis wasn't top five, he was a top eight, that might be part of the partly the quarterback's issue, but look up in tennessee how he's done and who was the last who was the last top five receiver like who out there was that talented that went in the top five Um, honestly i don't know so i think Corey davis was the last top 10 unless i'm blocking somebody out because we never get we don't we've only had one pick in the past three years so i don't i don't pay attention um But that's entirely my point. And DeAndre Hopkins was a... I mean, he was taken 23rd. Like, you never know when it comes to receivers. I would just... I, you would When it comes to draft picks, I believe in volume. And there's just too much of a risk, especially when somebody's an established superstar. So, yeah, it would have to be a whole lot. Yeah, I'm looking, trying to look it up right now. Let me see.
0: So... Yeah, there were none last year. Um, I don't think there were any in 2018 either. So, yeah, you might be right. It might be Corey Davis. And he is, uh, he's not looking like he's going to be much. I mean, they ended up taking A.J. Brown. Just Oh, actually, Corey Davis was a top five pick. He was literally number, f- number five. Was he?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Well, and here this is what I would say about the difference between Corey Davis and DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins would have made Mariota look good, correct? And Corey Davis wasn't able to do that. Now, again, Mariota may have been the problem of Corey Davis and why he hasn't been able to produce. But I mean, you've looked at some of the receivers that have, that have thrown the hop, and, or some of the quarterbacks that have thrown the hop, like. They, I, th- we would have definitely traded any of them. Amari Cooper, Marilita.
0: the one was the top five wide receiver prior to Corey Davis. I think looking back on that now and seeing how impactful he is to Dallas' offense, I think that's that's. I think Amari Cooper is in and on the right team. A a top five wide receiver in from a draft perspective. Hmm. Anyways, all right. Uh, anyways, DeAndre Hopkins is not getting traded, so it really doesn't matter. Um, I mean, from the offensive perspective, obviously just Deshaun was amazing. He, he won us the game. He did what he's supposed to do. The defense did its job to close out and force a punt. Um, you know, Gary and Conley was on that final uh, throw that forced the punt by knocking the ball out of the wide receiver's hands. Uh, so that was a great sign. You know, I, I didn't expect Gary and Conley to come in and just light the world on fire this week. Um, and I don't expect him to next week either actually next week just because of who he's playing, he should be able to uh, considering DD Westbrooks out for the year too. Um, but I think I think with with Gary and Conley, I, I think we saw moments of what we should come to expect on a consistent basis. And he had he had moments in the game where he was he was, he was pretty good and then he had moments in the game where he looked like he was playing in a brand new defense and a new scheme that he hasn't played with at all except for you know four days of practice.
1: Yeah, when they let him just be an athlete, you could see what the appeal of him is. When they asked him to do anything that required thinking, um, you could see, you know, it might take a minute. And I think that we got to steal with him because to come out there after, what, two days of practice and actually not look horrible. I mean, you can't you can't complain about that. I mean, my worst fear with him was he was. just a it would have been a waste of a trade. Like he gets over to us and he's just as bad as the worst of the Oakland fans claimed he could be, but just based on what we saw from him yesterday, like he's he's worth at least the 3rd round pick. So that that's good to, good to see and he's just going to get better through the year. I mean, obviously there's going to be some times where he's going to look completely lost out there because he it is a new defense, but he's definitely a guy that can play.
0: Yeah, it's just going to take time. I mean, it's going to take time. I think I said, you know, once Roby's back, uh, you know, we lost Lonnie uh, for at least probably this game. Uh, you know, Gibson wasn't out there. Um, you know, I think the the lack of J. Joe, even though he's not the skilled corner he once was, I think his leadership and what he brings to the secondary is a big part right. of that. Right. His ability to be a coach on the field. Exactly. Is just. And we're seeing, you know, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, these corners are bad. Lonnie's bad. Like, you know, um, you know, Gary Conley didn't have a great game. Cornell Armstrong, you know, crossing. It's like, okay, yeah, I I agree. Like, there were moments where all, you know, all three of them couldn't make a play and and we're in the wrong spot or one or two steps behind. But, you know, when J. Joe comes back, I feel like you're going to see a lot more of, a lot more coaching, a lot more developing. I think you'll see them just, I, I, I think J. Joe on the field at this point in his career as a veteran and from a leader perspective is, is really valuable, especially when you look at how young the secondary is as a whole. I mean, you know, it's Justin Reed's second year um, Roby's, you know, fifth year, but, or sixth year, but, you know, in a new defense, um, you know, Lonnie Johnson's rookie year crossing, you know, I think he's only a second year player in a new defense. Uh, Lonnie's obviously a rookie um, Gary and Conley. So, you know, I, I think J. Joe's value is there. I just don't think it's on the field in the sense of what we're used to seeing from a corner.
1: Yeah, this is a group that once they all get healthy and there's an actual rotation, we'll feel a lot better about them. I mean, they'll we'll definitely feel a lot better than we did two weeks ago, even when they were healthy. We, we just got to essentially hold on tight for the next couple of weeks while people get healthy again. When you throw out Roby Johnson and Connolly, that's that's a really solid starter, and you have J. Joe in there as a rotational piece that plays more of the more of the zone. Um, switch him and out, him and Conley out based on situations. It's just there's a lot of potential with that group. We just have to you know survive until that group can be healthy. Yeah. Um, so from a defensive perspective, now we've got to definitely set. Sign- I I was just going to say now that with that group, though, you we really do need to re-sign Roby. Yeah, we need to re-sign Roby. I know, I know he's on a prove-it prove deal, but we got to keep him. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of things that we need to do now, John. A lot has changed in the span of 24 hours for this team. Yeah. There's a conversation that needs to be had that I'm not sure a lot of people are ready to have. We're going to have to have it for him. (laughs) We're going to have to have it for him. So uh, J.J. Watt was uh, lost for the season yesterday with a torn pectoral. This will be his third injury that has put him out for the season three out of four years. Now, I will say this. Luckily, it's a torn pectoral, and it's something that if J.J. decides to fight through in rehab, If he can come back and do what he was doing this year, he's still a very valuable piece, but given the injuries that JJ has had and the rehab he has had to put his body through and where he's at in life, is that something
1: that JJ wants to do? That that's, what's going to be interesting. I think that I think that they're going to have to have a discussion with him about his contract, which was almost up. It's almost up anyways. I think he has one more year after this year. And they're going to have to have a conversation about maybe even playing him as a full-time player. I know he has the desire to, but it's not about stamina at this point. It's about protecting him. If you put him out there, he gets hurt. And it's both good and bad that all three of these injuries have been to different parts of his body. That means they're all kind of freak injuries. But the fact that it's three different, pretty significant injuries, it's like, what what's next on him? And I don't, he's going to be a Texan for as long as he wants to be a Texan. However, what's the smart move with him going forward? We've had this conversation in the past, and I even let it kind of blind myself when it came to talking about Clowney. And it's something that since we let Clowney go, I've even done a little bit of soul searching on. Because my genuine belief is you build a defense not on superstars. You you build a defense on having as many above-average players as possible. When you do that, that elevates your entire, your entire defense and makes a couple of your players, of course, look like superstars. When you sink all of this money and all these resources into a couple of superstars, that's where you end up in a situation kind of like where we're at, where we are so thin that when you lose somebody for the year, it's very traumatic. There's not a next man up. There, is, there just isn't. And with JJ Watt, and I we've been very, very blessed to have him on the Texans. Like we really have. And this is one of those things that five, ten years from now, when we're at his hall or when he's going into the Hall of Fame, that we'll get to sit there and we'll get to talk about him and tell our kids about, like, we probably aren't appreciating him as much as we should during his peak, because we won't see something like that ever again. However, Bill Simmons said, well, it had to be like 20 years ago, and I'm sure they've renamed it now, uh, what was called the Ewing effect, where the team actually elevates itself when there's no longer that star player that the entire team is built around taking care of. The only player in football that we should build our team around is Deshaun Watson. And, we've have attempted to build the defense around JJ and we, I mean, what else can you do? He's an absolutely phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal person. He's a phenomenal leader. Again, not saying when we are blessed to have watched him play, but without him being in a role player type role in the future, we can't continue to build our defense around him and his strengths.
0: Yeah. I think, um, you know, I've been really hard on JJ this year, and I've gotten a lot of flag for it. It's it's almost become a, a joke in the Discord and on Twitter, uh, which is fair. I, I I totally understand. And I think if you guys um, kind of looked at it from my perspective, I think you guys would uh, understand a little bit more about why I am so hard on him. You know, when we had Clowney, you know, we never talked about the pressures. We never talked about the hits. We never talked about the almost plays. Um, you know, we, we, never talked about the tackles for losses. What we talked about was the lack of sex. And yet when you, we talk about JJ this year, everybody talks about his hits and pressures. And yet it's, it's just crazy to me that that narrative can be spin towards JJ. But prior to that, none of that was, was brought to any, you know, conversation when Jadavian Clowney was involved. So when it comes to JJ this year, my mindset has been very similar to the way that we treated Clowney, you know, or not we, but you know, the tip, the, the fan base. The Texans fan base just acted like Jadavian Clowney was just a rotational piece. And yet when you break down the stats and look at other parts of his game, pressures and hits, he was always in the top five. And in tackles for losses, he was number one. And so when it came to what JJ's done this season, You know, I kind of came in with that same mentality. It's like, okay, we weren't talking about Jadavian and what he was capable of doing because he didn't have the sack numbers. But yet this year, J.J.'s got four sacks and all these quarterback hits and pressures and yet we're praising him saying, oh, God, he's back to 2012. And I I just find it funny. I think J.J.'s an amazing player. I think he's been an amazing player this year. I know I've been really hard on him. I've been very critical. I said I want to see him finish. I want to see more things and I get that. And losing J.J. Watt is going to suck for this year, you know, and, or, and what we do with this contract and how that is handled moving forward, I'm not sure. We'll see. There's still too much time in the season for us to really get to that part of the business as we have a season going on and we still have multiple, tons of games that we need to uh, worry about. But, I mean, how do I say this nicely? I think losing J.J. Watt this season sucks. But I think it puts this franchise in a better position moving forward. And the reason for that is from a salary cap perspective. I'm not wishing injury on J.J. I hate that he got hurt. I would rather him play healthy and us figure out the salary cap later on. But with him getting hurt three out of the four years, it really brings to mind the fact that we need to start thinking about life after J.J. as a Texan. Now, maybe it's one year deals moving forward. I would say that that would probably be the most um, that would probably be the smartest move for us moving forward with J.J. is doing one year deals. Um, kind of how Tom Brady does in in New England. I think that that would be probably the best path for both involved the Texans and the and and, and JJ Watt. but I I want to see what this team does without JJ Watt. I want us to evaluate the defensive line without JJ Watt. So going into next year, we have an idea on how we need to build this team. John brought it up earlier, the most important person on this team is no longer J.J. Watt. It hasn't been for two years. Deshaun Watson is the most important player on this team. He's the most important person, most important asset to the franchise in general. There's been a shift. We discussed that the shift was going to happen with Deshaun Watson from J.J. to Deshaun because the quarterback position is just the most important position in all of sports. And now that transition's happening a lot sooner with JJ gone and Deshaun being at the forefront. This team will only go as far as Deshaun protecting Deshaun, providing weapons with Deshaun. We're doing the things that we're supposed to do. You could talk about the value of Tunsil, however you want to bring it up, whatever, whatever it is that you want to talk about. The team is doing what they need to do mm-hmm. to be able to protect the future of this team. And, as much as I love JJ and I was really a huge, I mean, I still am a huge JJ fan. Um, a lot of just, like I said, everything that came from was the whole clowny thing. Um, but now it's just, it really gives the the front office and and the coaching staff a real opportunity to be able to see what this defense can do without JJ and lets us really know where we need to go moving forward to fill holes. And it's unfortunate. It's not something you want but I think long-term, this is going to help the team. Does
1: that make sense, John? Yeah, and I think we're in agreement. Not happy about it. Um, and I mean, I'm one of the guys that gave you a lot of crap for hating hating on JJ this year. Um, and I, I, I am admittedly trying to spin this in the most positive way possible. Because it just does feel like the end with JJ. and. You know, two years on the IR, you kind of was like, okay, he has a chance to come back. And then after last year, he put it all together. And this year he started it and you just, you felt like it was about to creep. It was about to turn. And now he's on the IR again. So at this point, it just feels like it's the end. And it's terrifying for the team, but our run defense is going to be fine. It's going to be, how do we generate a pass rush? That's what. At this point, that's what's terrifying. It's like we have merciless, and hey, merciless. If you want to go get your contract, now's your chance to get it. Like, there is this is your your world, dude. Go get that contract. But there's nobody else, and maybe Martin. I mean, maybe he actually turns into this Dwight Feeney light that he's supposed to be. Maybe, but. At this point, there's a lot of hoping and a lot of praying, and our defense got a lot younger, and our secondary has to get healthy, and hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I just at this point, it just doesn't feel like it feels like the end with with JJ. Like this is it?
0: Yeah, I'll say this. You know, the one person in the world. That I would never, ever, ever bet against is probably JJ Watt. Fair enough, absolutely fair enough. Um, and I think that's a. I think it's something that people do need to keep in mind is that if there is anybody that's going to come back from this mentally and physically and be back to what he was, last, you know, this year, um, it, it's JJ. I mean, JJ has the work ethic, he has the team, um, he has the support. If anything, he's in a better support system now with with you know having his fiance and, and things like that. I know that she was a part of it early on when he was hurt, but that was really the beginning of what their relationship was. Now it's, it's a lot different. Um, and I think that he has the ability to be able to get back and, and, and do it just because it is JJ Watt. Right. But at the end of the day, father time is undefeated. And when your body takes a toll, especially the toll that his body has taken. I mean, the position he plays is a very physical position um lots of beatings um and you know just a lot of physicality i mean you have to play the game very physical to be able to be good at that
1: position as long as jj was Um, and don't forget he he put a lot of that physical toll on himself too with the way that he trained he pushed himself harder than probably anybody ever to be a superstar and Mm. well i mean let's he's up there though in football. I'll say in football. I mean that that's a very general statement and it's a bunch of hyperbole but I would say that he is in the top 1% of, of the amount of effort agree. that he put into his training. Uh maybe 0.5%. Yep. There's probably there's a, probably a handful of other players out there that have put themselves through what JJ has if you take get all look at all sports. And yep, it's one of those where burn maybe he's going to burn out brightly because of it. Like he he's shown and he He's shone like no other, but it's going to be one of those. Just a, a, it's a quick flash. And if he can also, I think part of it may also be him coming back and coming. Here's the problem with him coming back as even part-time though, is he was only at a 50% snap usage. And he was on on the field every single play already. So I don't know, man. I just, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think... Like I said, I mean, his work ethic and what he's done and what he's and, and and another part that we're leaving out that we need to keep in mind. And this is the part that I think people tend to, you know, add to what JJ is on the field. But, you know, what JJ has done for the community really can't be put into words. Yeah. Um, what he's done with whether it be the hurricane relief, um, all the things he does on Twitter um you know funerals paid for and you know just jj being captain america and really you know wearing that all the time you know he really has made an impact that most 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 athletes would love to be able to make the impact he's made and i i would say that he is probably in the point two percent of what he's actually accomplished off the field yeah Um, I I really don't know if there's another I honestly I I really he would he's probably number one I don't know if there's another athlete that has been able to do what JJ Watt has done off the field with that in mind though and, and this is the part that this is where it gets fuzzy this is where it's hard for people to you know to really dive into but you have to separate those two and it sucks because it's a business and you would like for those two things to go hand in hand ultimately though that's just not the way the business is ran you can't reward somebody for what they've done off the field on on the field you have to reward them for what they've done on the field and even though up to this point jj has done a lot and he's in hall of famer i mean there's really there, there's no doubt. There's no argument that can be made what he accomplished in the amount of time that he was in the NFL. If this is the, you know, the last one, and maybe I honestly don't believe it is, but um, if he is a hall of famer and he'll go down as the a top five defensive end all time in NFL history, but this is a, what have you done for me lately league? And when those contract extension or the contract talks and the decision to potentially move on or, you know, keep them around, start to come around, try not to, and this is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for a lot of people. It's hard to be able to put into perspective the business and the personal, but try to approach it from a business perspective. Try to understand that what is best for this team moving forward and don't look in the past to make that decision and like i said it's hard it's really hard to do Uh, i had to do it with kobe i didn't want to pay him after he tore his achilles they decided to um it's it's very cutthroat but at the end of the day if you want to have long-standing success you can't put yourself in a position financially to pay somebody that is not worth the amount of money that is being paid and it can handicap you moving forward so we're not there yet. We still have six games to go, so, or actually more than that. I think is it six? Yeah, no, eight games to go. Um, we still have eight games to go. So there's a lot to figure out in between that time. You know this this even though he's out for the season, it may not be as bad as as you know people think. You know, just because you're on IR doesn't necessarily mean it's a career threatening um, injury. And a torn pictorial, we saw Whitney Merciless come back from that in a year. You know, he could come back next year and just be totally fine. And all these conversations that are being had about how he should retire and all that, that, you know, it might be wasted. Um, But I just think that J.J. in this time with his injury is just in a different place than where he was the previous couple times. And I feel like he feels he had a lot to prove at that time. I think now J.J.'s okay with not – I don't think he's in a space where he feels he has to prove anything anymore. I think he realizes that his legacy is already established and what he's accomplished will go down in the record books and people will will remember him for that. What I don't want is for JJ to come back and not be able to live up to the expectations that may be there for him because we see that a lot with athletes and then that tends to water down the legacy. um all right i think that's really enough about
1: jj watt it's sad yeah um, i mean i just i don't think that he's gonna retire but i do think that it's the end of the air and i don't know what we're gonna do because we can't pay him we cannot pay him what he deserves on or off the field we just can't we can't um I mean, best case scenario, even though it's absolutely illegal, is the Texans have some sort of a handshake deal with him, and it's like when when you retire, you become part of like the president, kind of like Elway has with the Broncos, where hopefully with less player personnel power than Elway because Elway's yeah, but JJ essentially gets brought into the ownership group, like some sort of handshake deal with him. That way, he pays at below level contracts because don't forget he was absolutely. I mean, he was having a great year until he got hurt. But we cannot sink the $100 million plus into him on his next contract that he has earned and hope to be a competitive team because there won't be any left over for the defense.
0: Yeah. So let's get into the defense, John, because I honestly think that, oh God, this this is something else. But I think the defense might be a little bit better off long term this season, without JJ Watt. And I know that's a stretch, but hear me out. Um, I think Romeo is somewhat, uh, limited with the looks that he can give when JJ Watt is on the D line. Uh, JJ likes his spots. He likes to be lined up in certain places. Um, and it doesn't really give you a ton of freedom as a defensive coordinator. Now, um, even though we have a lot of unproven guys, you know, we still do have a good core. You know, with DJ there in the middle, uh, Whitney, uh, Charles Amin, he is looking like a player. I'm not going to say that Charles Minhieu is the answer. I know that's like that seems to be the hot hot take going around town. You know, I was listening in the 610 earlier this this morning, and you know, in, in in the afternoon, and Clint Sterner said that Charles will fill that role. I don't think people realize what that role entails, but whatever. Um, I think that this gives romeo the ability to be a little bit more creative i think we'll see a lot of different looks from romeo i think we have the potential to i don't know if we will i think that we can though i think this gives romeo the ability to kind of go out there and do what we've seen from romeo when jj has been gone i mean don't forget this team was the number one defense one of the years that jj was out when it was Merck and jd now we don't have jd funny how that came back to bite us in the ass but that's another story to have over the over a beer but um I think we've that we've sworn off
1: we've sworn off talking about JD.
0: Yeah, but this kind of brings all that back up, though. John.
1: I know, but we we've sworn it off, and I'm going to try and spin this positively because it's the same thing about what you're saying. If you yes. look at the personnel that we've put together, we have put together a very Patriot-esque defense. Like if you look at the type of personnel and the type of boxes that they try to fit their personnel into, we've got the speed the speed guy with Martin. We've got the flex guy in a hue. Our linebacker core is absolutely amazing. We got Merciless, who can both be a pass rusher and stops the line. And then we do have Merciless, who can generate some heat. And two great, great interior players, and especially with Reader. So our defense is going to hurt because we don't have a pass rush. But at the same time, our defense has always been better since Rack has been here without JJ which is two things that are kind of sacrilegious to say. But if you look at it statistically, does that mean that I think... Because here's the thing about this statistically, when they say the defense was better, yeah, they gave up less yards. It's terrifying for me not to have somebody out like out there like JJ because who's going to come up with the big play? But for my positive aspect, the defense's... Without J.J. that Rack has had, have both been better.
0: And that's just a fact. It's, it's not something that we're just making up. I mean, it's just an, it's an actual fact. It's, it's true. The, the defenses have been better as a whole without J.J. on it. And that's not to diminish J.J. Watt and what he is capable of doing. It just gives Rack the ability to kind of move pieces around and and do some different things and give offenses different looks. Um, and so I think it's going to be interesting to watch moving forward, how this defense looks and, and what is accomplished, you know, the corners have to get healthy. Um, I really can't say that enough. You know, we saw this week, The, the Raiders aren't a team with, uh, a deep, uh, wide receiver room. Okay. Tyrell Williams is their best wide receiver. So, you know, but we got dusted, um, and they played really well. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that we were playing inexperienced corners, and everybody else was hurt. So it's it's going to take some time. But, you know, playing the Jags this week, it's going to be a tough game. Um, but I think I think maybe we can pull it off. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost this game. Um, and a lot of it just has to do with the London factor. Uh, Actually, no, Jags- it's the
1: per- it's kind of the perfect game to go into of our situation because our ability to stop the run is still there. And we've talked about Gardner Mins- Minshew. He is Case Keenum with a mustache. And that's at his best. So I know we're not in the preview yet, but this is kind of the best game to go into that situation. So let's not not get too negative about that. Well, the only
0: reason I say that, the only reason I say that, I don't think that they're a better team. I think that even with all the injuries, I think we're a better team. I just it feels like one of those games that it's there's just a lot to overcome and. I think with the offensive line at the state that it's currently in uh, you know, they have a lot of speed rushers. They're not a lot of power guys. Um, We saw what, what happens to, to Chris Clark with speed rushers. Um, We saw with Roger Johnson too the week prior. I just don't know if this is the type of game that we come in and just, you know, we, we win. Uh, I'm not saying we won't. I just, if we lost, I guess is what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised, not expecting us to lose. But if we did lose, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but the buy is coming after that, and it really honestly couldn't come at a better time. And we, we were missing six starters, seven in, in, uh, seven total starters uh, the, throughout the game. And the corners are just, I mean, depleted is really the only word you can use. I mean, they truly are depleted. And they're going to need time to get everybody back. Maybe Roby comes back after the buy. From what I hear, that's when he should come back. Um, that'll be helpful. Gary and Conley will be clicking a little bit, have, you know, a nice buy to be able to get acclimated to the defense. Lonnie will get out of the concussion protocol. Jonathan Joseph's going to be back this week. Um, it'll give Gippy some time to be able to get healthy as well. So it's just, it, it's a, it's a lot of things that need to happen. But if you look at our schedule, our schedule isn't very complicated moving forward. Um, Ravens Patriots are the two games that I look at and I'm like, okay, those are the tough ones. And the Ravens specifically, because of what they do from a matchup perspective, um, but I still think that we can end up winning, you know, another five or six games, and really either winning the division or getting a wild card spot. And at the end of the day, that's all you wish for. Um, so yeah, I think I think eventually the defense will be fine. We just they need to figure it out, and everybody needs to get healthy. So um, all right, John, I'm trying to think as far as from like a game perspective. I mean the game was sloppy at times. We started off slow. We ended up getting to win. That's what you look for. You know, Nacho was very upset yesterday in the discord because he was upset at how the, the team was playing. And I, I totally agree. I I feel like we played down to our competition. Um, but you know, I also think that that Raiders team, you know, we said it last week, I think that Raiders team is a lot better than the people give them credit for John Gruden's really doing a hell of a job with the Raiders. I mean, he really is given the talent that they have on that team. Um, Derek Carr's having his career year from a accuracy perspective. Um, Not a lot of turnovers is he looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket than he has in years past. And I think the Raiders team, I think they're heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah, they're they're a slightly better than 500 team. They're one of those teams that if they get a couple of lucky breaks, they're going to end up having a great record. They're also one of those teams that if they get a couple of unlucky breaks, they're going to end up having a bad record. They are, as much as everybody wants to kind of think of Gruden as a joke, he's actually a really good coach. And surprisingly, he's doing it, their defense is their defense is actually very, very good. Now, I understand that people feel like, oh, they're giving up because they just traded a, their former first round corner to us. They've also developed Trav- or figured out that Travian Mullins is, is a better fit for what they're trying to do with more of the zone coverages. And again, the NFL kind of is an eight and eight league. Like you look at all these things that they do all year round and just look at the Texans in particular, the how we came into the season and what our plans were and look at how the roster was constructed. And then people start getting hurt left and right. And it's how do you adjust or people start to play down and not do what you expect them to do. And how do you adjust? It's the NFL really is an eight and eight league. And then you have to have a quarterback or a genius coach that elevates you. And we have a, we have a very good quarterback that elevates us. Coaching. We'll, we'll see. Cause Bill O'Brien and rack are about to have a pretty tough job. And right now, offensively, Bill O'Brien has all the pieces he wants. Rack probably doesn't have the pieces he wants, but I mean, he's got enough there that we should still be competitive. And honestly, with our starting lineups, like honestly, there's a lot of players on the Raiders team that just from the players that started the game yesterday that we would have been very happy to have on our side.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of uh, also a lot of, you know, that needs, or something that needs to be talked about in the sense of Gary and Conley is just the fact that, you know, Mike Mayock and John Grude weren't the, the front office that drafted him and you see it a lot in the NFL. You see it here. Even um, we've seen it here multiple times, you know, these guys, they build their teams the way that they want to build them. They want players that they've drafted, that they selected, that they've developed and Gary and Conley just isn't that guy. And so they decided to move on. It's not necessarily an indictment on Gary and Conley. It's more of an indictment on just how they want to run their, their team and what they're looking for in their corners. And Gary and just was not a fit for them. But Garion is a fit for us and has the potential to be a really good corner for us. And that's why we made the trade. So um, I just think that that part seems to be left out a lot when this tr- when this whole trade aspect, the whole aspect of this trade being discussed is left out. Um, all right, John, we go to London next week. We're going over the lake. We're going to play the Jags in London. It's the Texans' first game in London
1: um my wife's pretty pissed because she's doing the uh, run for your water run for the water um i think it's like a it's a 10k is that right 10k mm. <laughs> it's the same time the football game is. Uh, so are you gonna miss the game no
0: <laughs> i was sad
1: i don't understand how people miss games i mean it's one of the like seriously i love my wife Let's be honest here. It's not like I could can sit in the stands and cheer her run. Even at best, you see her for five seconds at the end of the race. Well, it's funny because, like, uh, you know, and maybe this is a conversation that
0: you know we could have another time. But I, I've never missed a game. I have, unfortunately, Ever. I have. I haven't, and, and 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 you know, I see people like, oh, you know, I had to go do this, I had to go to practice, I had to go pick up the kids, and you know, I ask for sixteen Sundays for three hours a year. Outside of that, I am totally dedicated to every responsibility that I have. I don't understand miss, missing a game. I don't understand it. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me unless it's an emergency something happens where you got to go to the hospital, things like that that makes sense. but because of the honeydew list, I just I don't understand missing a game because of the honeydew.
1: well for 15 years I worked every Sunday.
0: See, that's that so that sucked. That that that's different. I when I was then, the general manager, I worked Sundays too, but guess what? I left it I left at eleven fifty five
1: and made sure I had <laughs> coverage to
0: be able to do so.
1: Yeah, I worked I worked every Sunday for a long time. And then unfortunately you do have family responsibilities and depending on the circumstances and like Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's sixteen Sundays a year. However, for me, it's a little bit more because I also watch a lot of college football. Oh, see, I do. and I watch—I watch just about every Astros game and every Rockets game. I only watch playoffs, and then my so, wife goes to bed at
0: nine thirty, so I get to watch every Laker game. So, yeah,
1: my my wife is really one of those football widows during the fall. Like, we don't even—we don't have plans during the weekend. Like, she actually apologizes to uh, to me that there was a race. Like, so. Put it in perspective. I, I'm actually pretty ridiculous, but yeah, I might have. I may miss a little bit of the game, but that's what it records for. And it just it's a little bit tougher now because we do try to interact on on Twitter and things like that. But I never do anyway. So what's the big deal? I
0: like uh, I like the 8:30 kickoff. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm in California. You know, all the games are on at 10 o'clock in California. It's really nice, um, but. At the end of the day, whatever. Uh, all right, so we're going to London. Jags have a ton of experience in London. Um, yeah, you know, they they pretty much play there every year. Uh, this will be the first time the Texans have played in London. I'm not really expecting that to really be too impactful. Um, you know, I think this is a game we should win. Uh, but like I said the earlier, I, I if we lost this game, I wouldn't be disappointed and I wouldn't be upset. Um, we have a ton of injuries. We're dealing with a whole a whole lot of new things right now that we're trying to figure out, from the right tackle to losing JJ Watt to all new starters at corner losing our starting safety Um, you know it's just it is what it is like let's get to the buy if we go to the buy and we're five and four is it ideal no I'd love to be six and four or six and three what are we six so we'd be six and three Um, fine like I don't know I'm not really putting a lot of stock into it I'd love to have a win if we can do it great but if we don't I'm not gonna the world's not on fire uh, I still think that we have a really good chance, given our schedule, to finish pretty strong.
1: Yeah, and at this point, a first-round bye, which a couple of weeks ago was the goal, I don't think that that's realistic now. Just make it to the playoffs and make it to the playoffs healthy. I think this team, if we get to the playoffs and we are healthy, we can make some noise and be definitely at least be better than last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again... Again, it's just as we're right now at the point that, like we said a little while ago, our team is beginning to be built around Deshaun Watson, and we're going to go as far as him. And he is he's definitely developing. I mean, even when he doesn't have a great statistical game, he has good games. And you saw there's not many teams that can completely shut down the middle of the field like the Panthers. And that's the key to beat him, beating him right now is have linebackers that can cover, like, safeties. I mean, there's not a lot of teams out there that have that.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, you know, with, with this team, sure. I, I still think I think there's four teams that could get that other spot. Indianapolis, Baltimore, us, Chiefs. Um, it's going to be a little harder for the Chiefs, just given with what they're doing with Mahomes. But um, I definitely think, you know, if we can win this game and go into the bye being – six and three i think the the num the number two seed is ours to lose at that point um and you have opportunities to take advantage of that while by playing the ravens uh and by playing the patriots um it is a week-to-week league like the patriots look like the most dominant team in the nfl but you know one injury or you know anything can happen and you just never know. It doesn't happen to them,
1: but you know, maybe this is here. It does, but, um. well, that actually goes back to our discussion about JJ Watt. Um, it does happen to them. Except well, they I have mean, a, like mon- a
0: like quarterback.
1: Yeah. Well, other than, <laughs> other than yeah, Brady, but all the injuries that we always complain about, they have the same issues. They just have a different philosophy on, on roster building. And it seems that that is actually what the Texans are starting to embrace. Yep. we'll see if it continues, and but we were in an impossible situation with JJ and Jadavian Clowney, and especially those two. I mean, you just pulling the plug on Jadavian Clowney was painful. Pulling the plug on JJ, maybe like letting a loved one, like a literal, <laughs> literal loved one, walk out the door, but to get to a place where we can survive injuries that happen in football and they happen to every single team. Those are the type of decisions that will have to be made.
0: Yeah. All right. uh, Before we get to predictions, one last thing about JJ Watt. Uh, Keep in mind when you guys are thinking about JJ or talking about JJ, what does JJ want to do? You know, a lot of times in sports we get selfish and start to think of what we want these people and these players to do, but at the end of the day, they are people. And, you know, it's JJ's decision. So, what JJ wants to do with his future and how he wants to approach this, whether it be rehab, hang him up, you know, whatever it would be, you know, make sure that that's that you're taking into consideration what JJ wants to do. And it's not our decision. So, you know, if he makes a decision you don't agree with, let it be. Um, so, all right. Predictions, John Jacksonville, Houston in London, Wembley Stadium. What happens? Thank God
1: we're playing the Jaguars. <laughs> They're not the Glitter Kitties of old, but thank God we're playing them. If there's a team right now that we match up against, it's them. Um, Minshew, Noodle Arm, porn stash, Superstar. Scares me a little bit because he is incredibly smart. He does know where to go with the ball. However, he doesn't really have the arm to beat us deep, which I think could be a big issue and our secondary, as long we have Justin Reed out there, so it should be able to maintain. Um, DJ Chark, their receiver, their second-year receiver, he, he looks like he's, he's turning into a, a stud. And then Fournette, that's going to be their offense, those two players. Running backs don't scare me with the way this team is currently constructed. It doesn't matter whom we've played so far. We've been able to shut them down from running the ball. Even though at times it feels like a roller coaster, because sometimes it seems like the opposing team's running backs get just hot enough to scare us when the score's close. But overall, as a team, I'm not too worried. This is the team for us to play. Now, stating that with our injuries and especially on our offensive line, I do still think that this is going to be a slugfest, and I think it is going to be close because every game is close. However,. Again, thank God we're playing the Jaguars this week because if we were playing, there's a several other teams that, that if we were playing this week, I would just be scared out of my mind. But with them, we're going to come in and we're going to have more than a puncher's chance against them.
0: Um, I'm expecting us to win. I think it'll be close. I think that Jags always play us close. The one thing I will say that, you know, tends to be forgotten going into this game is the fact that there is no Jalen Ramsey to defend DeAndre Hopkins and the one cornerback in the entire league who has always played DeAndre Hopkins extremely well and even made it a point this off season to specifically get better at covering DeAndre Hopkins was Jalen Ramsey. That guy is gone now. That guy is gone now. So at the end of the day, Maybe we end up having a, a big day because of Jalen being missing and DeAndre having a great game. And if we lose, uh, like I said, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I, I expect us to win. All right, uh, John, anything else? Oh, we need to get into uh, the current standings of the AFC South. Uh, Colts are 5-2. and two. They snuck one in there at the end, and they should not have been able to. They were in a position to lose that game, should have lost that game. It was the most disappointing thing I've ever watched because that's what led into the next game, which was Texans and Raiders. But um, they kicked a field goal at the end and won. Well, fuck the Colts. All right, uh, Jags won, Titans won, Titans should have lost as well, uh, and the Texans are 5-3, and three, so there's that. All right, anything else before we get out of here, John? Yeah,
1: um, just stating that, you know, AFC South isn't a dumpster fire. No, everybody's uh, at least five hundred. Yeah, so no matter what, we can be proud of how it ends. Yeah,
0: no, I agree one hundred percent. I mean, the, the, the teams are—you know—they're competitive to say the least. So um, we'll see how it how it goes. Hopefully, the Titans aren't rolling in December since we play them twice, but we'll see. Uh, they have a good defensive front. I, I, I like their defense. A, I like what yeah. was doing in their defense. They have a fantastic defense, but.
1: We'll cross that bridge when we get to it.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, and with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.